Chapter Twenty One of The White Feather. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain and is read by Mark Smith of Simpsonville, South Carolina. The White Feather by P. G. Wodehouse. Chapter Twenty One A Good Start. It was all over in half a minute. The Tunbridgian was a two-headed fighter of the rushing type almost immediately after he had shaken hands. Sheen found himself against the ropes, blinking from a heavy hit between the eyes. Through the mist he saw his opponent sparring up to him, and as he hit he sidestepped. The next moment he was out in the middle again, with his man pressing him hard. There was a quick rally, and then Sheen swung his right at a venture. The blow had no conscious aim. It was purely speculative. But it succeeded. The Tunbridgian fell with a thud. Sheen drew back. The thing seemed pathetic. He had braced himself up for a long fight, and it had ended in half a minute. His sensations were mixed. The fighting half of him was praying that his man would get up and start again. The prudent half realized that it was best that he should stay down. He had other fights before him before he could call that silver medal his own, and this would give him an invaluable start in the race. His rivals had all had to battle hard in their opening bouts. The Tunbridgian's rigidity had given place to spasmodic efforts to rise. He got on one knee, and his gloved hand roamed feebly about in search of a hold. It was plain that he had shot his bolt. The referee signed to his seconds, who ducked into the ring and carried him to his corner. Sheen walked back to his own corner and sat down. Presently the referee called out his name as the winner, and he went across the ring and shook hands with his opponent, who was now himself again. He overheard snatches of conversation as he made his way through the crowd to the dressing-room. "'Useful boxer, that Riken boy. Shortest fight I've seen here since Hopley won the heavyweights. Fluke, do you think? Don't know. Came to the same thing in the end, anyhow. Caught him fair. Hard luck on that Tonbridge man. He's a good boxer, really. Did well here, last year.' Then an outburst of hand-claps drowned the speaker's voices. A swarthy youth with a ripped in pink and green on his vest had pushed past him and was entering the ring. As he entered the dressing-room he heard the referee announcing the names. So that was the famous Patero. Sheen admitted to himself that he looked tough, and hurried into his coat and out of the dressing-room again so as to be able to see how the ripped in terror shaped. It was plainly not a one-sided encounter. Patero's opponent hailed from St. Paul's, a school that had a habit of turning out boxers. At the end of the first round it seemed that honours were even. The great Patero had taken as much as he had given, and once had been uncompromisingly floored by the Pauline's left. But in the second round he began to gain points. For a boy of his weight he had a terrific hit with the right, and three applications of this to the ribs early in the round took much of the sting out of the Pauline's blows. He fought on with undiminished pluck, but the Riptonian was too strong for him, and the third round was a rout. To quote the sportsman of the following day, Patero crowded in a lot of work with both hands, and scored a popular victory. Sheen looked thoughtful at the conclusion of the fight. There was no doubt that Drummond's antagonist of the previous year was formidable. 
yet Sheen believed himself to be the cleverer of the two. At any rate, Patero had given no signs of possessing much cunning. To all appearances he was a tough, go-ahead fighter, with a right which would drill a hole in a steel plate. Had he sufficient skill to baffle his, Sheen's, strong tactics? If only Joe Bevan would come! With Joe in his corner to direct him, he would feel safe. But of Joe, up to the present, there were no signs. Mr. Spence came and sat down beside him. "'Well, Sheen,' he said, "'so you won your first fight. Keep it up.' "'I'll try, sir,' said Sheen. "'What do you think of Patero?' "'I was just wondering, sir. He hits very hard.' "'Very hard, indeed.' "'But he doesn't look as if he was very clever.' "'Not a bit. Just a plain slogger. That's all. That's why Drummond beat him last year in the featherweights.' In strength there was no comparison, but Drummond was just too clever for him. You will be the same, Sheen. I hope so, sir, said Sheen. After lunch the second act of the performance began. Sheen had to meet a boxer from Harrow, who had drawn a bye in the first round of the competition. This proved a harder fight than his first encounter, but by virtue of a stout heart and a straight left he came through it successfully and there was no doubt as to what the decision would be. Both judges voted for him. Patero demolished a Radlian in his next fight. By the middle of the afternoon there were three lightweights in the running, Sheen, Patero, and a boy from Clifton. Sheen drew the bye, and sparred in an outer room with a soldier, who was inclined to take the thing easily. Sheen, with the thought of the final in his mind, was only too ready to oblige him. They sparred an innocuous three rounds, and the man-of-war was kind enough to whisper in his ear as they left the room that he hoped he would win the final, and that he himself had a matter of one and sixpence with old Spud Smith on his success. "'For I'm a man,' said the amiable warrior, confidentially, "'as knows class when he sees it. You're class, sir, that's what you are.' This, taken in conjunction with the fact that if the worst came to the worst he had, at any rate, won a medal by having got into the final, cheered Sheen. If only Joe Bevan had appeared, he would have been perfectly contented. But there were no signs of Joe. End of chapter 21